God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we're joined by the lovely Leonora Cravota. Good morning, Hello. Scott. Yes, yeah, nice what you're wearing today. Thank you. you. Look, look, uh, looking good there, looking sharp. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, it seems there'll be a lot of uh, unforced. Uh, we have a nice guest today, yes, by the uh, way. Yes, Michael O'Neill yeah. from Landmark Legal Foundation is going to talk. He's going to talk about election integrity as part of our in- election integrity series for Bugle Call. Yeah, election integrity series. We're going to be posting that interview up on Bugle Call's media section. Also on Magapac's media section. They're pretty much running parallel right now. Uh, but they are going to be branching off and going in separate directions at some point soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it seems to me that, that we've created, ever since uh, Biden has taken uh, himself into the uh, Oval Office, um, it seems to me like there's been just one for unforced error after another. And it just seems to be a lot of fakeness, too. You know, like the the Easter thing, where, where they had the Easter bunny, the Easter hunt, and all this. But well, did they actually have an Easter hunt with COVID? Because there was nobody there. No, they didn't. No, no, no. But he he was like, he he was um, standing up above, and he was like, "Thank you all, thank you all." And then the, the camera pans out, and it's completely empty. But and and there was like Biden, zero people there. There was Biden, Jill, and an Easter Bunny standing. In, you and, know, and they looking all walked down. in the house uh, after standing on the balcony. And you just gotta you're like what a what a what a charade. What do you need an Easter Bunny for if there's no Easter egg hunt? That is such a charade. I'm, st- I'm still going through that one in my head. It's it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. You know, like um, the the fakeness. Now. Not only is there un, un, unforced errors, uh, like the border crisis. They're calling this the border crisis. Yeah, it is a crisis. Well, they're finally got, calling it a crisis. Remember Jen Psaki stayed away from the word crisis? Yeah, but when you have two Yemenis on a terror watch list getting arrested, walking through the southern border, yeah, they don't care about our safety. 
I don't think you know, so. No, not they, so much. They're not caring about our safety at all. And and uh, now Dr. Fauci is being asked these questions about um, about Texas opening up, and Texas is having you know ball games and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the Major League Baseball and uh, you know and their um, racism. <laughs> I mean, you know, their uh, Major League Baseball. The All-Star Game, right? Yeah. They moved it from Atlanta to uh, Denver. And uh, Denver's like 76% white. And, yeah. And Atlanta's 51% black. A lot of people are thinking, maybe maybe it's about that. Maybe yeah. maybe Major League Baseball is just racist. That's right, all yeah. That. So it is racist, after all. <laughs> no, but it's absolutely crazy. But they're having ball games in Texas. And they're... Uh, allowed to get together and they don't have to there's no mask mandate so a lot of people aren't wearing their masks and and guess what the numbers are going down yeah people aren't getting sick and dr fauci's like well well um you know it's it's, it's just a matter of time i mean you know we don't know what's going to happen in two well you weeks. know there could be a few factors at work i mean one factor could be the herd the immunity that we keep talking about second could be the heat to your point and then third finally people are starting to get vaccinated so and it, and it's beginning to roll down into lower age groups so what you're going to start seeing is eventually all of these things are going to come together and hopefully i'm, I'm trying to be optimistic today we're going to we're going to see the end of this thing you know, that, with all those um, things working in concert. Yeah, and if we all pull together and we live our lives, you know, we, we have to remember that the government works for us. It's not the other way around. The government, they, they're public servants, and that's right. the way you got to look at it. And we can't, you know, the liberals want to say, well, you know, it's all about public health. Uh, public health, yeah, and that's true. We did our part. We did what was asked of us. But a deal's a deal, and now you just got to get your fo- th- foot off my throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, just get it off my throat, and we'll be fine. And if you don't, we're going to fight back. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, so th- they played this game to rig an election to cater to China long enough. Yep. We know that Chinese. Uh, the Chinese government is a terrorist-run government now. We know that. They are nothing better than the radical Islamic terrorists from the Middle East. They're, they're not any better. Let's just call it what it is and move on, and let's get on with it. They're terrorists, folks. China unleashed, whether because of blind stupidity, or what have you, but they unleashed a weapon on the world and it benefited directly, it benefited them. And so uh, when Dr. Fauci uh, and his NIA shields Wuhan bat research grants from the government oversight committees, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, Because what he's trying to do is personally enrich himself by taking kickbacks by pulling a solid for these guys, basically giving them, uh, you know, acting like a uh, a person with a wielding a sword, yeah, feeling that level of power, and that power uh, from a little man syndrome style guy like Doctor Fauci, yeah, you know he has little man syndrome. Little man syndrome. Anybody <laughs> throws a baseball like that. Remember last year when he threw a baseball yeah. like that? Yeah. 
He was and he was on the cover of In Style magazine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that never had 15 minutes of fame in his life. Well, he's had it in the last year, that's for sure. Yeah, but for all the wrong reasons. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest sellout on the planet. Like I said yesterday, basically. He had been saying for 50 years that if you're asymptomatic, you're likely not going to ever spread a virus. That's what he said. Yeah. And he also said for 50 years, masks really don't work. I mean, if you're sick, it might be able to prevent, uh, you know, your your uh, bacteria from flying out and, and spreading uh, rampantly. But for the most part, a mask is not going to save you. And it says it right on the box. The mask doesn't save There's you. There's no guarantees with the mask. It's just a barrier. Yeah, barely a barrier. Yeah. Um, because uh, when they do the studies, uh, smoke goes right through those screens. Yeah. And smoke is a bigger mi- mi- bigger micron than, than the um, COVID uh, micron. So that's that, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, and did you know that Hunter Biden is still making money from China? Of course he is. And he's also still making money with his book deal. I mean, he's still making money. I mean, do, you, do you recall the interviews that they, they had? I mean, they were basically uh, interviewing him. And they were like, uh, is that your laptop? Wasn't that your laptop? And he's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was my laptop. Yeah. Right? I don't know. And I'm thinking to myself, wrong question. Don't ask if it's his laptop. Pull out the photo and say, is this you in this yeah. photograph yeah. with this little girl? <laughs> hey, hey, folks, this is the first son. You got, the, you got this? This is the first son. Yeah, is this, this is the son of the president. Is this you with the crack pipe in your mouth? Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, they weren't, they're not going to do that. The, this is not Ronald Reagan Jr. <laughs> wanting to do ballet. This is a whole other thing. You know I mean? Oh, is that right? The, the, yeah, that, that was that was considered a little scandalous at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, We've come wanted, a long way, baby. Right, exactly. <laughs> now you've got to actually be half dead with a crack pipe coming out of your mouth, <laughs> yeah. and still the media won't, uh, uh, won't cover it. You know, that's kind of crazy stuff. Um, but you know there is there there oh my phone was making noises there there are some signs um, that China is starting to to feel the pressure they're starting to feel financial pressure there's some concerns about their loans uh, they had told um, banks including uh, exterior banks to China and also interior banks and internal banks to be a little bit more conservative in their loans because there's a, there's a concern that this bubble's going to burst so they're you know uh, following um, COVID at first there was a bit of a tightening and then then the lending increased and so I, I think there's some I think there's some fear you know, going on right now. Because yeah. it, it was looking a few months ago when we were talking about China, it was looking like, wow, what happened to China? Suddenly, the uh, I use the entertainment industry as an example. Our entertainment industry was taking a major hit because we couldn't produce new things. <clears throat> we, um, we had our theaters weren't open. Yet suddenly, uh, after they had closed down their movie theaters, their movie theaters were open again, and uh, they had content. They had uh, content that, that they were just releasing, and they were making money. So, you know, we, and we were seeing this in a lot of other industries, but now I think they're feeling a little bit of pain. So there's two stories I want to cover as well over at Zero Hedge. It says, uh, yes, America is on the verge of yet another toilet paper crisis. Not us. We're prepared. It is starting to happen again. <laughs> Do you remember... 
How panic buying caused a massive shortage of toilet paper and other basic essentials during the early days of the COVID pandemic. Well, shortages are are back, but this time around different factors are at play. Uh, This time around, uh, different factors are at play. We are being told that the shortages should just be temporary, and that is good news. But this is yet another example that shows how exceedingly vulnerable global supply chains have become in this day and age. If another major global crisis were to suddenly strike, we would quickly be facing long-term shortages of certain items that would be quite severe. But and the so prices are going up, Scott. I, I yeah. you know, you and I talked about this during the break, the uh, or before the show rather. The makers of Cottonelle, Scott, and Viva announced that they're going to hike prices on a majority of their North American uh, consumer products business, including so, not ju- including toilet paper and baby uh, baby care products. So, as luck would have it, the first time in my life I actually uh, saw this really good deal on a box of eighty. <laughs> and, I, and I had it delivered to the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was good planning. You know, uh, you, you have to be planned for yeah. you know uh, the, the world I did, ending. I didn't know? even know there was a crisis. <laughs> so you, you you knew you were you were prescient. It's uh, yeah, prescient. I love that word, prescient. Yeah. Uh, the following comes from Yahoo News. Who can? Oh, oh. So no, that's just I've covered that already. Basically, <laughs> needless to say, it won't be just toilet paper that is affected. So the, this article is talking about supply chains. Okay, all right. Uh, but I had to bring it up because uh, it was serendipitous that I did what I did. Um, New York's vaccine passport program is already failing. Liberty advocates uh, rejoice. The idiocracy is going to save us from another uh, form of COVID tyranny. Thanks to a combination of bungling authoritarians and decaying legacy corporations, these entities are simply too competent, too incompetent, too incompetent to pull off a functioning vaccine passport program. So they would love to control you, but they're too stupid to pull it off. Well, that's they can't it. figure out how to do it. And you know what? People are going to flock to states like Florida and Texas where they're not going to do vaccine passports. It says New York's rollout of its vaccine passport already has the markings of a five alarm dumpster fire. <laughs> the New York State Excelsior Pass vaccine passport system, which was created by IBM, has so many issues that I would be surprised if the program was scrapped wasn't scrapped altogether before the end of the calendar year it is it has massive security flaws a shrinking customer base by design it remains incredibly impractical and it's incredible incredibly easy to manipulate excelsior pass sucks thanks to the idiocracy that was responsible for its design and implementation implementation well, you know what they're also saying? They're saying the IBM New York vaccine passport system has incredibly lax security protocols. Yes. Well, say you want to attend a Knicks game at, at, at you know, like, say, Madison Square Garden. Madison a, Square a, Garden. Yeah. Well, you're doing Howard Cosell. <laughs> Madison Square Garden. All right. You do it better. <laughs> a partner to the Excelsior Pass program. It's 9 a.m. and your event is at 7.30 p.m. If you don't have the vaccine yet, that means you will need to obtain a negative COVID-19 test to receive your pass. 
want to take the test this morning? Not so fast. The antigen test needs to have been administered within the last six hours. So you better plan your entire day around navigating that short window between your COVID test and the event this evening. Just receive your second dose. Just received your second dose and you're ready to hit the town? Not so fast. You must wait at least two weeks before your green check mark appears on your vaccine passport. Has it been more than 90 days since the last dose? Rejected. You only have a 76-day window, more than 14 days, under 90 days, to acquire VaxPass, which has to be renewed every 30 days. What? So it's it's a quagmire of... Uh, ineptices, sort of. Uh, well, it sounds like it's a situation that's going to be bottlenecked in, in bureaucracy because if you have to keep renewing this thing every 30 days, who's going to administer that? I mean, that right. that's very complicated. It's not just a case of get the vaccination. It's in uh, it, it, it's in a effect for a, a significant uh, a certain period of time, or it's in effect for forever, and you're and you're good, and you get the stamp. No, no, if you have to keep going back, it's going to be very complicated. That's right. So Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson, senators, uh, push Secret Service for answers on Hunter Biden gun incident. So two top Republicans continue to push the Secret Service for answers on any involvement it may have had related to an incident in which Hunter Biden's gun briefly went missing after being thrown in the trash in Delaware after the federal agency said... It had no record of its agents being involved. I can't believe we're still talking about this. This has been out for months. Yeah, it's it's still it just was written up by uh, Jerry Dunleavy on April sixth. Oh, uh, from the Washington Examiner. I like him. Yeah. So there's that, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, meanwhile, President Trump is making moves. He's making moves. You know that. Um, you know that what's going to happen is. When he is talking, he is basically setting up, tea, putting the ball in the tee, and getting rid of, getting ready to hit it out of the park. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be something related to his social media uh, program. But uh, we have um, a little bit of time before our next guest, and I want to get this in. It's a bit of a long interview, but well, we we're going to truncate part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we're going to go ahead and listen to Heather Childress and Donald Trump, who just gave a really interesting interview. Thank you, Heather. I know that you're very busy. Let's uh, tackle that first topic that we were just discussing, the MLB moving the All-Star Game to Denver, Colorado. You've already had a lot to say about it. Uh, What's your opinion? Well, they had a very strong bill, and I guess the governor rejected it because it was too strong, and then they went with a watered-down bill. In uh, if, if you look at uh, you know the history of it, they went with a very strongly watered down bill. They don't have uh, various elements that you'd like to have, but uh, that's why they call it watered down in Georgia. And now they've moved the All Star Game because they thought the bill was too tough. When it's not, they just they're woke, and uh, woke is not good for our country. Woke is not good. And I hope a lot of people, I look, I, I think people are giving up on baseball anyway. You look at the fans, they're way down, everything's way down. 
I don't think anybody cares, but uh, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be hurting the people of Georgia. They shouldn't be doing that, especially for a bill that is less stringent than the one they have where they're moving, where they're moving the All-Star game to. Right. Less stringent because they still obviously have the voter ID in uh, Denver, as they do in Georgia. But there's less available days to vote there. Um, And then also some other issues. So obviously that wasn't the real issue when it came to the Georgia law and all of these companies that jumped in, the media reaction. So what do you think is really behind all the wokeness with these corporations uh, jumping on the bandwagon? Well, Georgia's got a lot of difficulties. I mean, you look at uh, in this uh, new law, I don't believe they have signature matching. Now, why wouldn't they have signature matching? A lot of the real power, a lot of the guts have been taken out of it. They had something that was very powerful, meaning fair and free and good for the people, but it was it was strong. You have to you have to be a citizen. You have to be all of the things that you have to be, and signature ID, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't have signature matching, as I understand it. That's not good, and it's very watered down from the original one. What about all of these companies, though, that are uh, being woke now? You have Coca-Cola, you have Delta, United Airlines, I think, last night issued a statement. Uh, American Airlines has already jumped on board and issued a statement uh, because the state of Texas is talking about, you know, some of these voter and election integrity laws that they want to strengthen. Oh, let them try boycotting Texas. Texas will teach them a lesson. That I can tell you. Let them try it. Look, uh, it's crazy what's going on. It shouldn't be happening. Uh, Frankly, these companies should stay out of it because all they do is aggravate people and and people are not happy with it. And uh, the people you're talking about, some of them live in foreign countries. They run these big multinational companies and they're making calls from London and other places and they don't even know what's happening. No, I think it's a disgrace. And frankly, if Republican conservatives ever got their act together, which they should, Mm -hmm. uh, if we had some real leadership instead of Mitch McConnell and the group, if we had some real leadership, what you'd be doing is something much different. They'd be boycotting these companies and those companies would be coming. That's what the liberals do. Mm -hmm. They boycott anybody that speaks out. They boycott them. They cancel them and they boycott them. We have more people than they do. So what should happen is the Republicans and, let's say, Republican conservatives, Republicans, you could call it whatever you want, the right, if they would boycott these companies that are so uh, above it all, you'd find that they would come back into the fold very quickly. But right now, uh, the liberals, the radical left, plays a much to the Democrats. They play a much tougher game. Yeah. So should we boycott baseball? Well, I have, you know, look, I'm just not very interested in baseball mm-hmm. for the last number of years. I think it's not appropriate. You know, you look, it's uh, you want to find a game. It's on it's on every channel, and yet you can't find anything. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. It's used to be a nice, easy thing to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what I mean by that. It was on one network, and yeah. it was nice and good and beautiful. Today, you don't even know what the hell you're watching, so... Uh, I, I would say boycott baseball. Why not? I think what they did was a terrible thing. I think it's a very unfair thing. And they didn't even know the bill. And in fact, I think they were aware of the bill that was going along. Everybody was okay with it. Then as soon as Stacey Abrams speaks up, uh, they end up uh, folding. Mm-hmm. And it should be the opposite. We have more people than they do. Well, you know, why is uh, we it? We don't that... use the power of the people. You know, the yeah. people should boycott those companies 
that are all of a sudden uh, so righteous. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would find that they would come right, they would be right back, because the bill is, is a, it's a weak bill. Mm-hmm. It's a weak bill. They do have voter ID, which is a great thing. You should have. But even that's probably a little bit on the watered down side from what I hear. But we don't have signature matching, which is a big deal. Uh, Just one of the many crises that are going on right now is the border situation. Uh, I did want to get your comments on that because there's reports out today that the Biden administration is now going to follow through once they pulled the plug. But now they're talking about uh, going back and constructing the wall in the parts that were not yet complete. Uh, One of the many things that they reversed immediately without going down there to the border and determining what could or could not be done. What do you think that the Biden administration needs to do to fix it right now? Well, I think it's great that they reverse themselves, but a lot of damage was done because we were going to have that wall almost complete. Uh, you know, it delayed two and a half years because of lawsuits. The Democrats sued us in Congress, many, many suits, and we won all of the suits and we started building it and we were almost finished and then they called it into it and it's you know, just incredible. Mm-hmm. But if they agree that they're going to complete it, it's very little to complete. If they agree that they're going to complete it, that's a great thing. That's mm-hmm. a very positive step. I, I want to ask you about the Biden administration and foreign policy. A lot of folks are questioning his health and issues that, that he's had. We didn't have the press conference until 64 days in. And then we had China, North Korea, um, Iran and Russia, who have all challenged him from day one. Uh, when it comes to foreign policy and what the Biden administration is doing, specifically North Korea, not even taking their phone call. Obviously, you had a relationship with Kim Jong-un, have you spoken to him? And what do you think about the Biden administration when it comes to North Korea? Well, I had a very good relationship with Mm -hmm. Kim Jong-un in the end. We started off rough, but we got along very well and we like each other. And it was a good thing. If you remember, when I first came in, everyone thought we were going to war with North Korea. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen. Now I notice that uh, it's a very bad situation and very bad situation with China uh, China never spoke to me the way they spoke to our representatives. They never spoke to us that way, mm-hmm. ever. The way they spoke to our people in Alaska was horrible. And if you look at Iran, Iran is now, I, we would have had a deal done very quickly with Iran the way it should have been done. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about going back into the Iran deal, which is unthinkable. Right. Everything, it's just uh, nobody's ever seen anything quite like it. And Why the Middle you- East, we had, we had peace. We were going to have total peace in the Middle East. We were, the Abraham Accords were incredible and and acknowledged to be incredible. And then, of course, I came up with a vaccine. We pushed people like they've never been pushed before at the FDA and and elsewhere and got a vaccine done in nine months instead of five years. Right. And uh, it's, you know, we did a great job, but uh, now we have somebody else running it. If you look at uh, China, they have ships all over the place. They have you know, very threatening mm-hmm. having to do with Taiwan. Very threatening. I was never threatened. Why do you Taiwan. think that is? Why do you think that you were treated so differently uh, than they have come in and immediately treated uh, President Biden? Well, they have to respect your leader and they have to respect your leadership. And if they don't, uh, it's going to be very tough. Uh, Russia, the same thing. You look at what's happening with Russia. Uh, Russia's uh, very aggressive now. 
They weren't aggressive with me. They weren't aggressive with our country, mm -hmm. despite the fact that we had the Russian hoax, which made it tougher for them and for us. It was a hoax between Schiff and all these other characters. They're all a bunch of crooks. But that was a hoax, mm -hmm. the Russian hoax. We went all through that. But despite that, they had respect for the president and they had respect for our country. They don't respect our country anymore. It's uh, Since this happened, yeah. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, they see... So we are going to be picking up on the back side of that interview um, because there's a lot of those things we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Everything that we just said. Yesterday I spent half the show talking about wokeism. Yes, well, there's and, a lot to talk about and, with wokeism because uh, apparently it's not going away. And I've been talking, and yesterday and, and the days prior, I've been talking about uh, what Putin is doing in Crimea and Ukraine. It's almost like... You know, we've hit the reset button and welcome, you know, we're reliving Groundhog Day 2014. Over and over again. And that's the that's the biggest problem. I mean, everything that we're seeing along the border crisis, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this whole border thing, it's like, haven't we seen this before? Yeah. Build the doggone wall. You know, that's, that's all you got to do. It's pretty simple. Uh, someone who probably uh, knows a lot about that is uh, our next guest. Uh, we would like to welcome... Back to the Scott Adams Show, Michael O'Neill. Michael is Assistant General Counsel at Landmark Legal Foundation. Welcome to the Scott Adams Show, Michael. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to have you back on the show, Michael. And you, I wanted to just jump right into some of your recent work. You recently submitted an amicus brief and also penned an op-ed for The Federalist where you discuss recent election law cases, including the Supreme Court case, Bernovich versus Democratic National Committee, where the DNC was challenging Arizona's voting procedures. Why is this case in particular so important for the future of state-level election integrity? Well, this is a really important case, and I'll tell you why. It fits into the entire narrative of what's occurring here throughout our country regarding election integrity. What we saw in 2020 were efforts by states in response to COVID-19 to relax a lot of their uh, a lot of their voting requirements, particularly as applied to uh, voting by mail and voting by and voting absentee ballot. Um, and so, what happened was a lot of these a lot of these protections were relaxed in response to this crisis, and. Democrats took advantage of this. They, mo they mobilized uh, a lot of grassroots activists to engage in ballot harvesting. They used a lot of tactics to ensure that their votes were, were sent in. Well, states now are taking necessary steps to ensure the integrity of their vote. They are prohibiting ballot harvesting, which is a common-sense, necessary, uh, necessary protection in order to ensure that people aren't subject to undue influence when they are casting their, their vote. They are... Um, requiring that individuals submit identification or prove that or prove their identity when they're requesting an absentee ballot, which, again, is just a normal common-sense uh, protection that pretty much everybody agrees with, the public agrees with. And Democrats have, are challenging these. Well, in, in Brnovich, this is a case that existed before 2020, um, Arizona, t Arizona did two things. It prohibited ballot harvesting, and it required individuals who vote in person to vote in their correct precinct. And if you didn't vote in your precinct, your vote was not counted, which, again, is a common-sense, necessary uh, protection to ensure that, that votes are accurately cast. This challenge uh, migrated all the way up to the Supreme Court, and now the Supreme Court is going to decide whether a state like Arizona can, do these, can, can enact these, these, these sorts of common-sense protections. And again, 
what we're going to have here is a decision that's going to be coming down late spring, early summer, that's going to say, that's going to essentially say, give a thumbs up or thumbs down to whether states can do these sorts of things. And again, this is going to now dovetail into all these efforts you've seen this year in states like Georgia, Iowa, West Virginia, and Texas, whether these sorts of protections are going to be permissible or whether they're going to be not permissible. I am optimistic, however, that listening to oral arguments, reading all the briefs, studying the legal arguments, that we are going to have a favorable opinion here. And now this has caused the Democrats incredible concern. They are, they are hysterical about this. And this is one of the reasons why you're seeing all of this boycott and hysteria and incredibly ridiculous rhetoric about efforts by Georgia, for example, to just enact normal laws that everybody can agree with. The left knows that that the public agrees with these. If you look at the Rasmussen poll that just came out a few weeks ago, if you look at another recent poll, the overwhelming majority of people, minorities, non-minorities, all understand that identification is necessary to, to, to cast a ballot, that it's a necessary thing that we all have to have confidence in our election system. The Democrats know that public opinion is against them. That's why they're using all this in, inflammatory rhetoric, trying to call these sorts of laws Jim Crow. You hear the president calling it on Jim Crow on steroids. Jim Eagle, whatever he's calling it these days. This is why you hear the left calling for boycotts. They know that the public is against them. They know that they're going to have a Supreme Court decision that's going to go against them. And so they're resorting to this ridiculous, ridiculous comparison and ridiculous rhetoric. So what is the motivating factor then for these corporations like Coca-Cola, AT&T, and Delta Mm -hmm. to uh, basically bend a knee to Stacey Abrams? Because it seems like when Stacey Abrams decides to take to the microphone and talk about wokeism, uh, these corporations exactly. actually bend the knee. Fear. I mean, and, and it's fear. And they. And I. I would. I would. My opinion, and it's just my opinion, is this: is corporations do a cost-benefit analysis of this. They understand that um, that kowtowing to the left is 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 the path of least resistance. They they do not they they do not believe that it is worth their bottom line that it would have, it would adversely affect their shares and their profit margins to support these sorts of organizations to support this sort of rhetoric and that the, the, the to put it bluntly the juice isn't worth the squeeze so what they do is they kowtow to it and they are, they understand that you know engaging in this superficial or you know facial wokeism is much more and bending the bending the knee to the to these uh, these uh, these leftist groups is much more is, is the path of least resistance. It's not worth it for them to go through the entire process of actually trying to stand up to this and trying to do the what I believe is the right thing. And it's funny. And again, the, the hypocrisy is glaring. I mean, MLB will remove the will, will remove the All Star Game from Georgia, but yet enters into a contract with with China, which is of course what we all know what China is doing. They're <coughs> openly operating concentration camps. And you have the NBA, you have MLB, you have MLB players, you have NBA players condemning Georgia's laws, which, again, the overwhelming majority of people agree with and are common sense and necessary to ensure the the protection of the ballot ballot box. And yet you don't hear word one about them, you know, about the the problems or all the issues uh, for these entities entering into contracts with China or MLB. I haven't seen Delta canceling any of their uh, flights to China. Or anything like that. Well, and you know, you bring up an interesting topic because we've been talking about that for a, a lot on the Scott Adams show over the past few weeks, and that is, 
you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out what the motivating factor is. And I think that what happens is, is that Chinese, China has a uh, unprecedented influence on our, uh, our politics to the point where uh, they can control our media narratives and how they're doing that. I guess a case in a, a case study could be something in the neighborhood of uh, if NBC wants to have a theme park in China, then you know they might make a deal with the devil, and they deal with this devil. They have a great contract; it's all written up. It looks beautiful, and they say, "Hey, we have a great contract. We can now do business in China." But then China pretty much owns the banks, the land, and they have a rig system mm-hmm. in their own country. So it doesn't matter what a great deal you just got with your theme park. If you're invested $1.5 billion into a theme park in China and they turn around and there's an election and they say, we want you to favor Biden over Trump uh, and uh, or else, um, they're going to probably do it because they're knee-deep invested. We saw NBA sell out America in exchange for their interest in expanding in China. And I think you're right about exactly. Major League Baseball doing the same thing. You know, um, LeBron James had no problem, you know, acting tough against uh, our current, our, our former administration in the White House when they were in China. But they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't lift a finger against China's, um, you know, I think repression of the the Uyghurs and and what they were doing in Hong Kong. And to turn it turn it back to voting, and I and well actually let's just for just for a second let's just talk about the corporations. Corporations, big corporations, are ultimately concerned with their shareholders and their bottom line, and they will take the path of least resistance to ensure that their bottom line is 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 satisfied. And so they understand that bending the knee, that doing these, you know, superficial uh, boycotts or kowtowing to the left in the short term is going to ensure that they don't have long-term suffering and long-term pain. They do not want to be uh, pillared or vilified by the left day in and day out on the left-controlled media. They don't want to see on the Today Show the lead story is that, you know, Coca-Cola is not, is, is resisting the boycott, is, is, is not boycotting the, you know, the voting laws in Georgia mm-hmm. and the, the, and it be characterized negatively by the left. They don't. They want to avoid that with every fiber of their being, and they will do that by showing, you know, waving something shiny in the face of the, the American public, and engaging in this wokeism. Meanwhile, they have no problem behind, you know, behind closed doors signing lucrative contracts with the Chinese who are doing all kinds of terrible things. Now, again, to bring this back to voting really quickly is what is the ultimate goal of the left here in voting? They want open voting, and they are trying. A lot of this rhetoric and a lot of this boycott is designed to sway public opinion. As, you, as, as I mentioned before, we know that the polls, as they currently are configured, are against the left. That the overwhelming majority, 70% of people, believe that you should have to show identification to vote. And they know that public is against them. But they have legislation currently in Congress in the form of H.R. 1, and which actually enacted it, we got through the House of Representatives, which is now currently residing in the Senate. Now it's S. 1, which would essentially nationalize and federalize our entire electoral process. They know that they need to have public support on their side. So what are they doing? They are making all of this. They are screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs. They're calling for boycotts. They're presenting the image that these laws, which, again, are overwhelmingly reasonable and are necessary to ensure confidence in our election process, 
are racist and terrible. And they hope to sway public opinion. They know that they're going to have a Supreme Court decision that's going to against, go against them. They know that they're behind the eight ball on this. And they need to engage in this sort of rhetoric to get the groundswell of support to enact this federal legislation. Well, you know, when you talk about racism, again, one of the issues that you bring up in your piece for the Federalists is we talk about the custody of the ballot and the idea that the ballot should only just be in the hands of the individual, the postal carrier or an election official, or perhaps if a person may be physically uh, incapacitated in some way, maybe a very close family member. But we have these situations Mm -hmm. where, you know, also bringing in the ID issue where you're constantly saying that lower income voters or um, people that are at some type of disadvantage are disenfranchised by the voting process. Yet what we're doing is, with all this opening up, is we're leaving these people even more vulnerable to third-party organizations, exactly. particularly in nursing homes and other places where people can sway them. So so what? what is the left? How are they answering this hypocrisy? They don't answer it. They, re- they refuse to answer it. And that's interesting. Is it, Back in this, bur- just turning just for a second to Brnovich, because there was evidence presented in, in the district court. You know, when you have these cases, this is, this, is a, this is a unique case in that there is a very strong record in, in this. There's a lot of evidence that was presented in support of these two, of these two laws. Now, the organization, the DNC, that was challenging this, this uh, ballot harvesting law could not show that it widely disenfranchised anyone. And they were able to have a few anecdotal cases of individuals who said, who claimed on the stand that they needed somebody to come to their, uh, come to their um, home and collect their ballots. And again, this was few, this is only a few cases. This is in the overwhelming majority. You're talking millions and millions of votes cast. The Democrats were only able to conjure a few cases of individuals claiming that this was necessary. Completely anecdotal. Conversely, we do show, we do know that these that these organizations that these leftist organizations target these these groups of vulnerable people they know that they have a captive audience when they go into um, nursing homes when they go into lower income uh, lower income apartment complexes they develop relationships with these individuals in the weeks before the election they and they and then come the time they, they encourage these people to fill out ballots they stand over them when they're filling out their ballots they try to they subject these individuals to undue influence. Look, let's can, let's let's make a quick comparison here about this. When you go and vote in person, what is what do you do? You go into that ballot box, you go into that ballot booth, and you close that curtain. Why do you close that curtain? So you can vote in secrecy. The, the primacy and the importance of voting in secrecy is to ensure that you don't have somebody, some somebody, whomever it is, you know, government official, lefty, anybody, righty, anybody you want to talk about, standing behind you subjecting you to some sort of influence in how you vote. You want to vote for who you want to vote free from any of this undue influence or intimidation. Now, that gets completely thrown out the window when you have somebody voting by mail and you have these ballot harvesting groups coming around um, encouraging them, quote-unquote, encouraging these individuals to vote a certain way. And again, really quickly, you see, that's also the rationale behind the, uh, the, the protection about, you know, the left is making a big deal about uh, giving water and food and every, and distributing, you know, food and water to individuals standing in line to vote. Well, again, what's the rationale behind that? When you're standing in line to vote, you have two choices. You have to stand in line or you can not vote, and you're essentially a captive audience. This law is designed to ensure that individuals who are standing in line waiting to vote, sometimes for, you know, a half hour, hours, aren't subject to undue influence and intimidation. Look, I don't want somebody knocking on my door at 7 o'clock at night 
telling me how to vote when I'm trying to eat my dinner? Do you think I want somebody trying to tell me how to vote when I'm standing in line and I can't go anywhere? Absolutely. I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, and, you know, let's just, uh, you know, one uh, final thing about the corporate involvement to, to all of this, uh, because there's also, uh, I think there's corporate involvement in, with regard to the Texas um, tightening of their election laws. And so that you had corporate uh, pushback there. And you just wonder you know, we, we, we kind of uh, addressed it, but we, you know, you have to wonder what their motivating factors are because it doesn't add up in reality. And, you know, um, Mitch McConnell did speak up. I think it is a slippery slope for corporations. Uh, and I think Mitch yes. McConnell is right here that, um, that 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 situation where, you know, stay out of the politics uh, and the coercion um, because that is not going to go well for you. Um, and and uh, to your point about Coca-Cola, for example, you know, there is a way for corporations to just stay out of politics, but they're making that choice to get involved with politics. And I think it's a it's an aggressive move on their part because I think that they are interested in expanding their market reach to China. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's the other concern. And and, and I, but I, I think you make a really great point about backlash. And again, you're already seeing the backlash for this for for the All Star Game, and you're you know you're seeing it, it, the the president at you know you you can you can Google the, the the video. The president at one point said was clearly calling for a boycott of Major League Baseball. Now he's trying to walk back that 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 claim, and uh, and I think they're understanding that. These sorts of that there is a line that they're crossing that is too far, especially in light of this rank hypocrisy that the American people see. Look, the American people know are, are smart. They can see the, they can see the forest through the trees here. Mm -hmm. And when you see these this blatant, obvious wokeism, leftism, you, there is going to be some backlash from from it. And that is ultimately the way to get corporations to back out of this. And large corporations is if they begin to see their bottom line is adversely affected. And that's the only thing that's going to move, move the needle on our side. Um, th they are living in fear of the left because the left is hysterical, and they're the ones screaming the loudest. And what do conservatives do? We go about our business, we live our lives, and we don't bother anybody. And what does the left do? They scream and yell and are hysterical. And so when you're standing in a room, who's the person you're going to listen to? The screaming and, ye and yelling hysterical person. Even though the, the other 80% of the people in the room don't agree with that hysterical person, that person's going to get their way. So what we need to see, again, is, of course, conservatives standing up and speaking up and, and not standing for this sort of thing. Absolutely. And we want to thank uh, Michael O'Neill, uh, Assistant General Counsel at Landmark Legal Foundation, for joining us today and speaking about this important election integrity subject. Uh, we're going to be making that a, a, a big subject uh, going into the next uh, election, the 2022 election. Michael, uh, tell us how we can get a hold of you and how we can keep pace and track of the kind of work that you're doing in these cases. Yes. Thanks a lot. You can check out our Facebook page, uh, Landmark Legal Foundation, and you can also check out our website, landmarklegal.org, landmarklegal.org. We have uh, we're constantly updating about the events that are going to that are, are happening, not just election integrity, but other matters, union integrity, and immigration issues that we're involved in. I encourage all your listeners to check out our website, landmarklegal.org. And you can join our email list. Uh, we do not do a lot of updates. We don't inundate our email subscribers to updates every day. It's, they're few, but they're important. They, you get important updates periodically. 
So I encourage uh, in, in, in individuals and listeners to go to our website, landmarklegal.org, or check out our Facebook page. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank well, you, Michael. We look forward to having you back on again real soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. You all have a nice day. All right. You too. Bye-bye now. Take care. All right. So uh, that is uh, really an important subject. And you know what? He's right, though, uh, because it's just going to take one case uh, to make it to the Supreme Court that could literally be a sea change, that could change everything. Absolutely. And we know that Clarence Thomas has the chops for it. We absolutely we, you, do know that. Yeah. And, and, just, uh, and just a reminder, we are going to be having an election integrity event on October 15th. So stay tuned. More, more to come on that. And we have a religious freedom, freedom event, event in August. Right? In August, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, and, and we're we're adding to the schedule. Uh, if you want to um, be part of the uh, newsletter, uh, just go to. Uh, you can go to any one of our sites, but go to buglecall.org, buglecall.org, and sign up for uh, an event. It's a Zoom, it's a free event. It's a Zoom event, uh, and also you can sign up for um, not only the free events uh, where you would uh, basically take witness to a series of speeches and speakers uh, to talk about religious freedom, but also uh, you can sign up for our newsletter uh, to where you'll be receiving information about what we're doing and be part of a a broader uh, set of information that gets into the details of the subjects that we're going to be covering, which is basically a lot of our civil liberties are under attack and our constitutional rights are under attack, whether it be election integrity, uh, equal justice, uh, or religious freedom. Those are all civil liberties uh, issues. Uh, Second Amendment, uh, our Second Amendment is being under attack. And, of course, we know that in order for them to ultimately pull off a lot of this this uh, infringement of our rights, uh, they're going to have to take away our ability to defend ourselves. And so there is that. Um, we have just a few minutes, and I want to play a little bit more of the Donald Trump interview with he- Heather Childress, and we're going to get to that right now. The same thing that you see and that I see, and uh, it's uh, not a good situation. And I hope he's well. I hope everything's fine from that standpoint, mm-hmm. physically but and mentally. Mm-hmm. But uh, I certainly hope he's well. But countries are not respecting our leadership, that's for sure. Do you think that he is capable of doing the job from what you've seen? I mean, you had to do the job. You're working 24 hours a day. Uh, people would actually laugh about well, the fact he, that he's you not doing rarely the job seem to be Trump's ever sleeping. Be. But it does take that kind of initiative and drive to do the job. Do you think he is up for it? Or do you think someone else is doing the job right mm-hmm. now? Yep. See that? Well, it does take that kind of drive, and it takes tremendous uh, uh, strength mm-hmm. and enthusiasm and everything that you can imagine. I mean, you need the highest levels of, of every ingredient necessary. I mean, it's just, it, it's a full-time, when I say full-time, it's uh, 50 hours a day, <laughs> and you understand what I mean by that. It's right. a lot of work, and I think other people are making most of the decisions, but I may be wrong about that. I don't know. You know, right. look. I, I, I believe, I truly believe that's what's happening. Yeah. I think it's the think tankers from the Brookings Institution that would yeah. sell out America in two seconds. The people that are running the show right now in America are not the people that were elected to run it. 
No. The person that was elected to run this country was Donald Trump for another four years. He got 75 million votes. And frankly, when you take a look at the polls, there's the Gallup poll where it says, do you support voter ID? And 75% said yes. And I believe that anybody who supports voter ID does not support Joe Biden. No. Obviously, Joe Biden is standing in the way of voter ID. So, therefore, if it was 75%, and if you did truly have, um, you know, 155 vo- uh, million votes, you're looking at 117 million votes for Trump. Yeah. And about 50 or 48 million for Biden. And I think that's about the number that he would have gotten based on the trends that I've studied over the past 30 years. I, I went back and um, I looked at all the, poll, uh, the, the the election results, and it was hovering around 48, 50, 52, 50, and it would increase to 56. I think that the first massive rigging happened with Hillary Clinton. I actually, I think that the first massive rigging happened in 2012 with Obama against Mitt Romney. But then there was the other. There was the, um, the other massive rigging. And I think that Hillary Clinton, for example, didn't get nearly the votes. You have to understand that your, li- your, lie- your eyes are not lying to you when you see empty rooms and people that can't fill a half of a gymnasium. That's where the Democrat Party has been since Obama. They have not been able to uh, muster up or fill a, a high school gym. And you get rock stars like Donald Trump that give uh, ultimate transparency to the process and that you know return power back to the people and to embolden and support and build up the working middle class of America. That is exactly what is needed to keep our country strong and vibrant. Um, That's exactly what the socialists and the communists and the Marxists fear the most is independent, uh, foundational uh, class of people that think for themselves and don't want to be told what to do and how to live their life. And like the country the way it is and the way it can be, and uh, that's where we are with that. Again, be sure to check out buglecall.org or magapack.org and sign up for the newsletter. You'll be happy that you did because that will make you a part of the team. If you want to make a donation, a small donation, $5, gets you on our petition that we're going to be hand-delivering to Washington, D.C. So there's a lot of good things going on with regard to our organization. Now, Magapack has the $5 donation. Uh, Bugle Call uh, is really reserved for larger donations for our nonprofit 501c3 there. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out our podcast over at scottadamshow.com. And my name's Scott Adams. My name's Leonor Corvetta. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Dig a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there.